Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. Uh, so glad that you're uh, at church with us today. I want to say thanks for all the work you did. Uh, all of you did at our Cinderella Day yesterday. What a great event to help under-resourced students in our community. Hey, and also those watching online. Hey, it's Time Change Sunday, and so you need to be here next week. Somebody, time change? We didn't know that there's time change. Yes, today is the day. So let's get started. Have you ever had one of those experiences that uh, you just wanted to tell somebody about it, but you really didn't have the adequate words to explain what you were feeling? Maybe it was like a, a vacation spot you went to, maybe a restaurant you went to, some type of experience. And you go to tell somebody and it's like, ugh. And in frustration, you finally just say, you have to see it for yourself. I just can't explain it. Well, this past week, Patty and I had uh, dinner uh, at Manuel's Bread Cafe. And at Christmas time, somebody had given us a gift certificate uh, to Manuel's. And on the card, they said, you've got to have the Oreo cheesecake. So this past week, we had the Oreo cheesecake. Now, if you've never had the Oreo cheesecake, I mean, it is something else. I mean, it's thick and it's creamy and it's filled with uh, luscious cookies. It is baked on an Oreo crust and on top of it, it has a hard uh, fudge uh, layer on top and then it comes with a, you, are you listening to me? <laughs> then it comes uh, with homemade whipped cream on the side. I'm telling you, that's describing it, but you've got to go taste and experience it to really know. It is truly, it is truly the best in town. Now, this sermon is brought to you by Manuel's Bread Cafe in North Augusta. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's the point. Some things need to be experienced, not explained. That's the big idea. Now, there's some things that you just can't explain. You know, Jesus is one of those things. When Jesus came to this earth and uh, gathered his disciples together, he developed a strategy that he used in his ministry, and the strategy was come and see. Come and experience this for yourself. Come and see for yourself. He wanted people to come and experience life in Jesus' name, experience uh, for themselves. Last week, we started the series by looking at John chapter 1, and uh, where Jesus just challenged uh, a group of guys, says, come and see, and, and he used this chapter as an introduction to his ministry and to gather uh, men that would become his disciples. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 2. We're going to turn the page, and we're going to see uh, these brand new disciples uh, head over to Galilee to attend a family wedding with Jesus. So we pick up the story in John chapter 2, and uh, we're going to look at this chapter uh, today. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, Now Jesus' mother was there. 
And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. It's interesting all the details that John will use in, in describing these events in his, in his writings. Now, uh, today he said on the third day, the third day from what? Um, more than likely, it took two days to get from Judea to Galilee, and this is the third day. And they arrived at the wedding on the third day of the wedding and possibly um, <clears throat> the third day of their travel. Now, Jesus and his disciples had been invited there, but we don't know exactly what wedding, uh, who's getting married. Now, we can kind of figure out that maybe it's Jesus' younger brothers getting married, maybe even a sister getting married. We don't know that level of detail. Now, in those days, a wedding would take place over a two or three day period. Some weddings would last up to a week. They were somewhat different than our weddings today. In, those, in our weddings today, you know, it's a, it's a one day event um, and the bride is the very focus of that event. In fact, you're sitting in a wedding, maybe in this auditorium, and you see the bride come in, and everybody turns, and everybody looks at the bride. They stand up, and they turn and look at the bride, because it's her day. It's everybody's focused on that, that, uh, that bride, but in those days, everybody's focus was on the groom, and so he was the main event, and he was also responsible to pay for the event. Why is that important? Well, this story seems to indicate that Mary's husband, Joseph, you remember Joseph and Mary, the story of Bethlehem, that apparently by this time in Jesus's life, Joseph had passed away. As a result of Joseph passing away, Mary felt the pressure, the financial pressure, uh, the responsibility of this event. And so that's kind of the, the back story. So you can look at it from somebody who is responsible and she's probably thinking, I didn't sign up for this. Joseph, you died too soon. Just feeling that pressure of putting on this event, being responsible for this event. So notice what happens in verse three. It said, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, we have no more wine. Now, this is a huge problem. They're out of wine. Now, I am sure some of you are wondering, is this real wine or is this Welch's? Right? That's a good question. Now, the Bible's, uh, when the Bible talks about wine, I believe that you can interpret the Bible, in this case, with a little smile on your face, according to your tradition. So if you were raised Catholic, if you were raised Episcopalian, if you were raised Presbyterian, Methodist, or completely unchurched, wine is wine, it's the fermented kind. But so many of you were raised Baptist. <laughs> so many of you were raised charismatic, or you're Pentecostal. So uh, in my world, wine is the sparkling grape juice. It's the unfermented time. So y'all figure that one out, okay? So when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, they have no wine, no more wine. Jesus said, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Mary would be saying to him, Jesus, I know that you don't think that your time has come, but I need your help. 
I need your help. And so I can feel her anxiety. I can feel the pressure. And so she, uh, because it was a big deal to run out of wine, say, would say that you were not prepared. It would be a detriment in the community at large. And so she looked at the servants at that point, next verse, uh, said to the servants, I want you to do whatever he tells you to do. So here's this, one of the spiritual principles of this story. It's always God's will to get you involved in what he is doing. It is always God's will to get you involved in what he's doing. God wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience his grace and his mercy and his favor. He wants you to experience his power. Now look, God can do miracles without you. But he chooses oftentimes to involve you in the process. Because he wants you to come and see, to come and experience it. Next verse, verse six, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used for the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each of these jars held between 20 and 30 gallons. Verse seven, Jesus said to the servants, I want you to fill the jars with water and they fill these jars with water to the very brim. Just fill them up. I want you to do what you can do. Hear that. I want you to do what you can do. That's how God works. Not only does he want you to come and see, but he wants to give you an opportunity to be involved in what he is doing. God often takes very ordinary people, ordinary people just like you, ordinary people just like me, and he will touch us And we will be able to do extraordinary things. We'll be able to do things that we never thought possible because of the touch of God on our lives. We see this over and over in the Bible. We see how God took a scrawny little kid named David and touched him and with a slingshot was able to drive back an invading army. Because with that slingshot, David killed Goliath. We see how how God took Moses, and, and Moses was an outcast, and Moses was a criminal, had a criminal record. He didn't have anything, but he had a staff, and with that staff, he parted the Red Sea, and uh, he saw over two million Jews delivered from slavery as a result of that. We see in the New Testament where God took a little boy and his lunch, some loaves and some fish, a little happy meal, and he gave it to Jesus and Jesus blessed it. And as a result of God's blessing, that food multiplied and they fed 5,000 people. But if you were to add the women and children, it could be upwards to 15,000 people. And so we see God loves to take what you have, what I have, and he loves to touch it, to anoint it, to multiply, to do something uh, spectacular, something that we never thought even possible. God loves to work through people like you. Too many times people are waiting for God to do something for them when God wants to do something through them. Too many times we're waiting for God to do something for us. God bless me. God bless me. When God wants to do something 
through us. So are you willing to do that? So Jesus said, I want you to fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Now, these stone jars held between 120 and 180 gallons of water. Now, let's just be practical here. Now, if you had a three-gallon bucket and you were going to the well to get the water, to bring the water over to these uh, stone jars, do the math. It would take around 60 trips to get that much water. I would imagine that these workers, as they are going down to the well and they're pumping the water and they're taking the water and they're pouring the water into the cisterns there, they're saying to us, they're saying to each other, why are we doing this? We don't need water. We need wine. Why are we pumping water? It would have been easy to talk themselves out of the, doing this, but instead of talking themselves out, they were just faithful, they were obedient, they just kept walking to the well, they just kept pumping water, they just kept filling the uh, jars over and over again, trip after trip, they were faithful to do what they were asked to do. They were faithful. They obeyed Jesus' word. Now, when Jesus prompts you to do something, are you willing to obey? Are you willing to obey even though it may not seem to make sense to you? Are you willing to do that even though you're carrying water when you think you should be doing something else? Obedience is allowing God to set your direction even though you may not know where it will lead you. Obedience is allowing God to set your direction. I want you to go over here, even though you don't know where over here really is, even though you don't know where it's going to lead you. These guys kept walking. They walked to the well. They pumped the water. They filled the jars. It was water when they pumped it out of the well. It was water when they poured it into the jars. It would have been easy to stay in faith is if when they pumped it out of the well, it had, the miracle had turned the water into wine there. It would have been easy to stay in faith if when they poured it into the jars, as they're pouring it, it turned into wine. But that's not the case here. Nothing changed. So many times we're asked, the Lord prompts us to do something and we do it and there's no change. Nothing seems to be happening here. It seems like that these guys were just going in circles. And some of you know personally how that feels. You feel like your life is just going in circles. That you may take two steps forward and then end up taking three steps backwards. And you say, can I not ever get ahead here? You're walking to the well. You're pumping the water. You're, uh, you're coming back day after day, day after day. I just want to say, stay faithful. Keep doing what you've been called to do. Stay faithful. You say, I still have these symptoms and I prayed. Stay faithful. My business is so slow. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. 
The people at work, they're treating me bad. Keep walking, keep walking. God sees your obedience. He sees you believing when you could be discouraged. He sees you praising when you could be complaining. He sees you stretching forth when you feel like striking out. I want you to do what you can do. I want you to keep walking. Jesus told the servants, I want you to fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Now, after they had done that, Jesus looked at them and said, I want you to take a cup of water or a cup out of that and take it to the bridegroom of the party, the host of the party, excuse me, the host of the party. Now, when the host tasted the water that was now wine because the miracle had taken place, he called the bridegroom over and the host said to the bridegroom, this is amazing. He said, most people, when they have big events like this, they serve the best wine up front, and then after people have had their field, then they bring out the cheap wine. But you have not done this. You've saved the best for last. Now, the interesting thing about this is that when you look at the length that it takes to make wine, making wine is a lengthy process. You've got to get the seeds. You've got to plant the seeds in the ground. You've got to take care. You've got to water. You've got to allow those vines to mature. And then you've got to allow them to produce grapes. And then you go through the process of making the wine from the grapes. So this process takes time. From the seed to, to, to allow that plant uh, time to grow until it bec- uh, the fruit becomes wine is probably about a, maybe a three or four year process. Now, better quality wine can take five to seven years. At least that's what my Catholic friends tell me. (laughs) Now, on top of that, if you want the very best wine, the best wine could take 20 to 30 years to produce. Now, here's my point. This that I'm telling you, John chapter 2, records the very first miracle that Jesus did in the Bible. Okay? This is the very first miracle. So the first miracle Jesus performed, turning water into wine, was a miracle of acceleration. This was a miracle of acceleration. What should have taken 20 or 30 year process, God did it in a matter of uh, time. It should have taken 20 to 30 years for the best. You have saved the best to last. What should have taken 20 to 30 years, God did it in a moment of time. And you may think that I can never get to where I'm supposed to be. I am so far behind. God can take you what should have taken you 20 to 30 years and do it in an instant. In an instant. He turns the water into wine. The doctors may say it's going to take months. It's going to take years for you to get well, for you to get over. But God specializes in turning water into wine, and God can shorten that period. You say, oh, Marty, I've had this addiction since high school. But God specializes in miracles of acceleration. 
where he turns water into wine in the instant. God can speed up the process in your life. It may look like it's gonna take you 30 years to get out of debt, but one touch of God's favor can speed up the process that suddenly you can see a change. Suddenly your life can be better. Suddenly your business can turn around. You're saying, oh, Marty, but you don't understand. We're in the middle of the worst season, business season ever. We're in the middle of a pandemic. But one touch of God's favor on your life can propel you years ahead of schedule, years ahead of where you ever dreamed possible that you could be. One touch of God's favor. I believe that God speeds things up. I believe that we see this miracle of acceleration, that what should take you a lifetime to accomplish with one touch of God's favor can take you a fraction of the time. We've seen this happen in our lives. About 15 years ago, Patty and I had two kids in college. And let me say, we were prepared. We saved money for that first child to go to college. And we thought we were doing very well. And we were until the first year was over. Now we have two kids in college and it was like, whoa, what happened to us? We were not prepared. So this was the season this happened. We had two kids in college. We'd taken a second mortgage out on our uh, house to start our software company. Um, and so we had that bill and that was not producing money at the time. We, we, had, uh, a car pay, we had car payments and then we had credit card debt. We were covered and we felt the pressure of all of this. We were just trying to keep our head above water. Now, during this time, we never fail to return the tithe to the Lord. We never fail to give offerings above uh, the tithe. We believe in God's financial system and we believe that God will meet our needs according to his riches and glory. And in this story, I'm telling you, we saw one of those where God met our needs. At that time, I was driving an old Toyota Corolla, okay? It was old. I paid $3,000 for this car. I found a coupon, and we got a $250 paint job from Mako. Now, our kids were surprised. They had never been in a car that had roll-up windows. And so that was something new for them. And so I just want you to get the picture. But I'm telling you, that car drove great. It was a wonderful, you know why? It rode well, because nothing rides better than a paid-off car. Okay? Nothing rides better. It may be an old Corolla, and it may have a $250 uh, Mako paint job on it. But I am telling you, you can ride down. And, um, and it didn't have a CD player. It didn't have any fancy stuff. Uh, but you could ride there in confidence that it was gonna get you to where you're going to go. But here's the deal. This is the truth. There are two people I know of in the church that really had a problem with me driving the Corolla um, because they're thinking, Marty, you're pastoring a 1,000 people and you're coming up to our uh, loved one's funeral or wedding driving a Corolla. And so, um, and this was some kind of tongue-in-cheek, but some of it is serious. One lady says, Marty, it's embarrassing. And I just laughed. I thought, well, it's paid for. And so it really didn't bother me at all. 
It didn't, I promise you, it did not bother me because you see, I saw the uh, end in mind. I thought, okay, we're gonna do the possible right now. We're gonna allow God to do the impossible. But I didn't realize how the impossible worked because at that time, all I could see was, okay, I'm doing this. This is my season in life. One day I won't be in this season. This is my season. There's another lady here at the church that she started praying. Now, she didn't tell me she was praying. I'll tell you who it was. It was Ann Williams, and I didn't know this. She was at the church for years and years before she retired and and moved to Tennessee. I didn't know this, but she started praying, God, please give Marty a car. Please give Marty a car. And uh, she she told me years after this had all uh, played out, but she was every just regularly praying God to give. And so one day, let me say this first of all. I believe that God answers prayer, but there are times in your life that you'll be the recipient of God's blessing, not as a result of your prayer, but as a result of somebody else's prayer. Somebody else was praying for you and God honored them and God blessed you because somebody else prayed. Some of you are in this service today. You're in our South Campus today uh, because you had a mother or a grandmother that was praying for your soul. And they were standing in the gap, believing that your life was going to be, uh, your life was going to matter and that you were going to make a difference in your generation. Somebody else's prayer got you to where you are. Well, this woman prayed uh, for me. I didn't pray. I didn't know that. I was not praying uh, that prayer. But God answered that prayer because sometime later, the Toyota dealer called me up and said, Marty, As long as I am here at this dealership, you will always drive a new car and the dealership will take care of it, okay? And so I said, wow, nothing like that has ever happened before uh, to me. And so uh, sure enough, and for years I drove Toyotas and and God blessed him. And and honestly, uh, they sold the dealership and he quadrupled his probably investment and, and, um, and and he moved, and I don't drive Toyotas anymore. <laughs> but I still love them, and they have a, a tender heart, a place in my heart for that. But that was a miracle that all of a sudden that we had this nice, we didn't have to worry about it breaking down and all of that. You know that story before. Okay, something else happened there. God's favor didn't stop. Around the same time, we uh, changed CPAs. And when we changed CPAs, he called us up one day and said, you know, there's... Um, I'm seeing some inconsistency, something wrong with your tax returns. And you know, when a CPA says that, man, you're thinking like, is this good news or bad news? You know, is this God or the devil? And so, um, you know, what's really going on here? And so he said, why don't you let me look at your tax returns over the previous three years? And so he looked at our tax returns over the three, previous three years, refiled them, and we ended up getting a tax return of $15,000. Now, we were shocked So what do you do when you have a windfall like that? Well, we paid off our other car. We had not, um, we paid off our other car. So let me say this, for the last 11 years, we have not had a car payment. For the last 11 years. What would have taken us years to accomplish? God did it in a matter of months. I believe that God is going to speed things up in your life. This is the miracle of acceleration. This is the miracle of turning water into wine. With God's help, 
It's not going to take you as long as you think to get out of debt, to meet the right person. It's not going to take you as long as you think, but God is going to touch your life and God is going to open doors that man cannot open and God is going to anoint your hands and you are going to understand that you have anointed hands, that God has given you the ability to create wealth and God's going to touch you and you're going to see doors open that you never thought possible. This is the miracle of acceleration. This is the miracle of faith that God moves in your life. He turns those things uh, that do not look like, uh, turn those uh, dead-end roads into open pathways here. Jesus turned the water into wine. Wine should take years to make, but in a split second, he changed it. So don't be discouraged by what you see. Don't be discouraged by what you see. Stay in faith, keep believing, keep doing what you know to do. Keep walking, keep walking, keep pumping, keep filling those jars up. I believe if you will do the possible, you will see God do the impossible. So many times when people see this story here, they get hung up and they find themselves living in verse three. When I want you to live in verse 10. Verse three says they have no more wine. And sometimes we feel like that's our story. We have no more. We have no more strength. We have no more vision. We, we don't have no more health uh, and all of that. But sometimes you have to understand that you are in a season and seasons come to an end and you are going to run out of a good thing. When seasons come to an end, you're gonna run out of a good thing. The first wine that people had that day at that wedding, that week at that wedding was good. Nobody complained about it. They had a great celebration. But the wine was supposed to run out. It was God's part of the plan. If the wine had not ran out, they would have never experienced, they would have never experienced what was coming next. What runs out in your life is not a surprise to God. What runs out in your life is not a surprise to God. That relationship that didn't make it, that company that let you go, that loved one you lost, that health that went south, all of those things have not been a surprise to God. But God specializes in taking those negative things in our lives, those bad things, and turning them around and bringing something good out of those negative situations. You see this in scripture where God takes a negative situation like a crucifixion and in three days he turns it around and that crucifixion becomes a resurrection. God takes the pain, God takes the difficult, God takes the bad things, he turns it around. So what do we do in the process? We keep doing what we know we can do. Do what you know you can do. 
and keep believing that there are better days ahead. Keep believing that there are better opportunities coming. Keep believing that you're going to feel better in the days ahead. Keep pressing forward. Keep looking to God. Verse 10 says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you saved what? The best for last till now. It's the best till now. If they had not run out of wine, they would never have known God's best. Some of you are living testimonies. Some of you are living testimonies because if you had not been let go from that job that you used to have, you would never have the experience that you're having right now. You thought your life was over. You thought your career was over. Could it be that setback was really a setup for what God has for you in the days ahead? God works to bring the best into your life. And you may feel like that you're coming to an end of an opportunity. You may feel like doors are closing. You may feel like what you used to work is not working anymore. You may feel like you're running out of resources and you're having a hard time to make ends meet. When you come to your end, when you come to the end, God steps in. I believe when you come to the end, when you come to a place called zero, look, in the natural, zero is a negative number. But in the spiritual, zero is a positive number because when you get to the end, there's an opportunity for God to step in and turn your negative into a positive and show you his mighty power at work in your life. I believe that God's gonna step in. I believe that God's gonna step in, that we are gonna place ourselves in position and we're gonna receive what God has for us. We're gonna place ourselves in position by what? By doing what we know to do. By going and filling, uh, pumping the water, filling the jars, and we're gonna do it again and again. We're gonna go pump the water. We're gonna fill the jars. We're gonna do it again and again. We are gonna keep doing what we know to do. And in the process, we're not gonna talk ourselves out of what we know God is calling us to do. God spoke to you, so keep doing it. If you're asking God for a promotion at work, here's what you do. Go to work on time and produce more than they ask you to produce. If you're asking God for healing, do what you know you can do. Eat healthy, exercise, get more sleep. You see, that's what you can do. So many times we have this need and instead of embracing um, a path forward, we sit and sulk and we complain. And so I want you to hear this. I want you to do what you can do. 
And I want you to, as you do that, I want you to put your faith in the Lord and believe that God is going to open the door, that God is going to give you that opportunity. God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way, that God is going to allow the miracle of acceleration to come to your life, that you're going to see something that should have taken 20 years, maybe 30 years, that one touch of God's favor, you're going to see it turn around and you're going to be walking in a new direction and you're going to have a different kind of of life. Why? Because God anointed you and you walked in his will and you walked in his way and now God is taking you to a new place. Hear me. This closed door is not the end of your story. This broken relationship is not your epitaph. This, uh, this addiction is not going to be your future. God's power is here, and he wants you to come and see. He wants you to experience his power and his grace. And when you do that, when you come to him, he will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. But the Bible says call on him, and he'll answer you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call on him. In our South Campus, we're going to call on the Lord. We're going to ask God to come and make a way. To those watching online, we're going to call on the Lord. So as we pray in this auditorium, we're going to say, God, I receive what you have for me. We're going to put ourselves into a, a position to receive from the Lord. God, if there's anything that's blocking my prayers... If there's any uh, type of sin in my life, I want you to remove that. Anything that blocks my prayers, any, uh, anything like that, I'll ask that you to remove that so that I can be in position to receive what you have for me. So the question is, what do you need? What do you need from the Lord? What do you need? What do you need God to do? Is there somebody that God is calling you to stand in the gap for? Maybe to come down and write their names on these windows here and stand in the gap for them. Today is the day we're going to stand in the gap. We're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to answer. So let's all stand together. And we're going to place ourselves in a position saying, God, I receive what you have for me, Okay. I receive. I want to pray over you. As I pray over you, say, God, I receive what you have for me. That type of mentality, I receive what you have for me. And there are some of you, as I pray, God will give you a, a picture or image of your next step. This is what you got to do. You got to make that phone call. You got to fill out this application. You got to do this. You, God's going to just lead you in that way. And so don't think it's just a random thought. This is a moment where God's going to drop ideas into you, into your mind. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation, this congregation, this meeting in multiple locations. I pray over you. I pray that God's power and God's anointing would rest on you. Father, I pray for those that have never been saved and that if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. I give you my life. Say that. I give you my life. 
forgive me of my sins. Say that. Make me into the kind of person you would have me to be. Father, as they pray that prayer, let the miracle of salvation take place. Now, Father, I pray for the people uh, right now that are burdened. They feel like that they're, uh, they're at a place of no more. They have no more strength. They have no more courage. They have no more money. They have no more opportunities. Whatever that no more is, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that your power would touch them. And that God, your anointing would touch them. That people today, that they would not only be saved, but they would be healed in Jesus' name. God, we pray for people uh, in our families, in our congregation that are struggling right now with their health. And it could be because of their breathing. It could be because of COVID-19. It could be because of cancer. It could be because of an underlying condition. It could be because of a syndrome. We pray in the name of Jesus that your favor, that your touch would be released in our lives and in this church and that we would see a miracle take place. Father, we are standing in the gap for other people. Maybe it's a loved one. And so right now, God, we're asking you to send angels to that person right now. If it's in a hospital room, if it's in a home, if they're on a work job site, we pray, God, release your spirit and release your angels to guard and protect that. God, we receive what you have for us. Say that, God, I receive. Say that, I receive what you have for me. So Father, I receive your anointing. Say that, I receive your anointing. I receive your grace. I receive inspired ideas. I receive peace in Jesus' name. God, I receive peace in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're doing. We thank you for this miracle of acceleration. And today, as a congregation, we cry out with thanksgiving and appreciation. And today, in unison, God, we receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.